Once again, I'm going to cite habit five of Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. Instead of listening to what Stephen Covey calls autobiographically by evaluating and judging, then either agreeing or disagreeing, or probing and asking questions from your own frame of reference instead of true curiosity, or advising or giving counsel advice to solve problems, or interpreting and analyzing another's motives and behaviors based on your own experiences, I'd like you to try to listen just like Jesus, empathetically. The topic of today's episode is one that has been highly debated. Today, we're talking about critical race theory, also known as CRT. I wanted to have this conversation to find out what is all the hoopla surrounding CRT? Why are some vilifying it while others are justifying it? I also wanted to know what does the church have to do with it? Is this more about impenitence or repentance? Is this about a culture war or a spiritual one? There are parts of this conversation that some listeners will agree while others will not. For those who become uncomfortable, I'm asking you to let your body feel it, continue to listen, and ponder. A critical look at race, the color of one's skin, as a determinant, as a barrier, as a, an influence in how people continue to be treated in various circles. Rather than allowing God to recreate us in his image, we think we have a responsibility to recreate God. Well, the challenge is, how, how do those people blood-washed, born again. How do we differentiate ourselves and how do we show ourselves to truly be disciples of Jesus Christ? Those concepts related to equity. Any any concepts related to equity, talking about oppression and what have you, now you want to throw it into the umbrella of CRT. So you, you want to get rid of those conversations as if that would get rid of the racism and the sexism and, and that type of thing. Let's don't talk about it as if it does not exist. We have to differentiate uh, between where our allegiance lies. And, and if it indeed is with Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. uh, who was a barrier breaker, yeah. who was a friend to the sinner, who was one who looked upon those who were poor, who were weak. You know, even James tells us that, that pure religion undefiled Right. Is, is, to, is to visit the orphans and widows in their trouble. Getting real, immersed in truth, intersecting hard conversations with the gospel. We seek and speak the truth about what's going on around us. I'm your host, Rabrina Rettel. I have the honor of having two extraordinary and encouraging gentlemen as my guests today, Pastor John Leonard Harris and Pastor Jesse Miles. 
John Leonard Harris, a.k.a. Mr. Encouragement, is a native of St. Louis, Missouri, who now resides in Lincoln, Nebraska. He is the founder and president of Encouragement Unlimited, Inc., a charitable nonprofit organization that he started in 2002 to serve people from all walks of life. He is a popular keynote speaker, educator, and motivator. Mr. Harris earned a bachelor's degree in radio, TV, film, production from the University of Missouri-Columbia and his master's degree in education from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Mr. Harris has worked as a senior pastor, corporate trainer, and military job coach. He is also an actor, author, and sports broadcaster. His article, The Portrayal of the Black Family and Primetime Network Television, won Article of the Year. He also wrote The Search for Self, Examining Black Racial Identity and Intergroup Conflict, which was published in the Journal of Intergroup Relations in 2002. He leads Encouragement Unlimited, Inc., a charitable nonprofit encouragement consulting services, offering education and training for organizations of all time. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And pastors, the Encouragement Kingdom Outreach Fellowship. They don't call him Mr. Encouragement for nothing. Pastor Harris is married to his wife, Charlene, and they have four children and three grandchildren. Also joining us today is Pastor Jesse Miles. Pastor Miles received his certificate of ordination in 1993. He's also served as assistant professor of sociology at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, where he taught courses on introduction to sociology, nationality, race relations, social problems, and criminology. He is a certified national trainer in a program called Project Reach, Respecting Ethnic and Cultural Heritage. The program's intent is to increase knowledge and understanding related to cultural diversity in America. Pastor Miles has served as a keynote speaker and presenter at a number of workshops, seminars, and conferences on multicultural education and issues of diversity at the local and national level. He's also served as a multicultural urban education project director for the Nebraska Department of Education and Equal Opportunity Education Programs for 20 years. Pastor Miles is the founder and pastor of No Greater Love Christian Fellowship Church, which is a non-denomination racially diverse congregation located in Lincoln, Nebraska. Pastor Miles is married to Lily Miles, a social studies teacher at Lincoln Public Schools, and they have three adult sons and seven grandchildren. Both Pastor Miles and Harris are recipients of the Martin Luther King Jr. Hall of Honor Award, an award that's given to community members who exemplifies the leadership skills of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Welcome you both. It's a privilege to have you here. Thank you. Okay, so I, I wanted to have this conversation because critical race theory is everywhere. It's all over the news. And some are proclaiming that is it is just a way to educate people on the wrongs that were done in our country, as America is one of the few countries that do not want to acknowledge the sins of our past. Mm-hmm. And so from my understanding, some people view CRT, critical race theory, we'll call it CRT, 
as a way of educating on what happened in America. And this isn't just for Black people. It's in, for all ethnicities that have had oppression or discrimination. There's other language involved besides oppression, but that mm. seems to be the language that people are uh, up in arms about. So I kind of want to talk about what CRT is, like the background of it and how it is defined. And then where did this theory come from? Well, th this this theory came out of legal scholarship. You could Probably you could say Derek Bell from Harvard, Kimberly uh, Crenshaw and so forth and several others. At the, the tail end of the civil rights movement, we saw a, a, a kind of a shift from a certain movement forward to kind of a stall. And, and so there was scholarship, particularly uh, in the legal arena, around whether the construct of race, and it is a, a construct, uh, as many would say, continues to be a barrier, a hindrance and a, a penalty if you will, for people of color, uh, African-Americans specifically. Mm -hmm. And, and how, do we, how do we look at that in a way that says, listen, we, you know, the promises of, of this nation grounded and founded in its legal, in its documents, when will they become real for people who are non-white? Mm -hmm. And so the scholarship around a, a willingness to look, and that's what, what we're talking about, Rebrina, uh, a, a critical look at race, the color of one's skin as a determinant, as a barrier, as a, an influence in how people continue to be treated in various circles. But the, the first was legal because there was injustice. There was continued injustice. Yes. And so Dr. Bell, who, who wrote Faces at the Bottom of the Well and other scholars in, in the uh, intelligentsia, the intellectual realm, said, listen, we need to look at this and we need to look at it earnestly to see how we can turn and shift the tide, if you will, from the, the current pervasive injustice, you know, coming out of segregation, coming through the civil rights movement, coming through all the things, all the marching and protesting and bus rioting and, and so forth that had to exist to try to, to gain African-Americans the right that, that supposedly are promised to us via the documents of our nation. When will that ever happen? And so critical race theory began in that realm in the in the late in the 70s through Dr. Bell through and several others who said listen we need to look at this so we can begin to turn the tide if you will away from injustice away from oppression away from the things that hurt people to the promises of America mm -hmm. becoming real a theory that challenges the very fabric of the ideals that we supposedly espouse you know, in this nation, you know, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator. You know, we the people of the United States. So, I mean, it, it really challenged that because, as, as John said, from that legalistic uh, perspective, we've had laws in this country, and we can list those. We've had laws in this country that legalized, literally legalized racism. Yeah, we can talk about segregation, discrimination, but it legalized racism. And part of CR CRT is to look at the origin of uh, racism in this country, so to speak, and the legacy of it in terms of how it manifested itself, itself yesterday, how it manifests itself today, and how it will likely manifest itself tomorrow, you know, based upon that, because no one, I think, in their right mind can say that racism is over. Yeah. And, and let me let me add one more thing, Rebrina. We, we have to also acknowledge that that Af that, that African-Americans uh, 
you know, we have the Constitution, we have the Declaration, we have all those things, but we only have rights mm -hmm. in this nation mm -hmm. by amendment. Mm -hmm. Okay, not as not foundationally. So, so we we know at the outset right. that to have altered the 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 original document yes. to it now include us, right. if indeed that's the case. Right. Then we have to acknowledge we can so we we can readily acknowledge that we only have rights yeah. and we only have the promises yeah. as an addendum right. to the original document, which means that we were never a part legally right. of the we the people. <laughs> we, we, we had there, there had to be amendments to bring about that kind of exclusiveness to we the people because in the original mind. We were never a part of that. There were always a segment of the population, especially people of color, that were excluded from that definition of who we the people were. Mm. So I just wanted to make sure that we, we, we're clear about that. Yeah. You know, for the for the people who will see this and hear this and understand that that <laughs> yeah, there is legal documentation. There is, you know, we hold these truths and so on and so forth. We 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 have even as the socialist Francis Bellamy, and let's be clear, when people talk about socialism, a socialist. Help help to pin what we call the Pledge of Allegiance today. Mm. You know, so 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 when we talk about these things, you know, to be able to 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 examine them critically, critically is the genesis of critical race theory. And so and that's what some people are really afraid of. Wow. Well, you know, one of the things I when I was doing some research, I noticed they said there's nine states that have passed legislate legislation mm -hmm. uh, against uh, teaching CRT in schools, mm -hmm. um, and Arizona's legislation was overturned in November by the Arizona Supreme Court. But then there's also, there's uh, additional states who have introduced a plan mm -hmm. for some similar legislation. And then there's states who have denounced teaching concepts associated with CRT and introduced new guidelines to bar CRT-related discussions and those discussions talk about, some of them talk about race. They talk about conscious and unconscious bias, mm -hmm. discrimination, right. and oppression. Right. But that would also include items on gender right. and other areas. So it's very interesting. And, and the thing is, I think that what people are focusing on is the term oppression. Mm -hmm. And I said that because people do not want to be looked at as oppressors, which is interesting <laughs> because what they're doing is oppressing a law or oppressing the teaching of history in the school. So I just find that really interesting. And yeah. another thing is that I also find interesting is a few years ago, I remember on Facebook, there was a lot of uproar about when they were tearing down some of the Confederate statues yeah. and people mm -hmm. were saying you're erasing history mm -hmm. <laughs> our history that's very interesting to me because history yeah. is erased or not mm -hmm. ever spoken for some groups of people mm -hmm. so uh talk to me about this whole concept of not not wanting bait to me is not wanting to be taught the truth of your country well, let, let's say this, Rabrina, real quick. Let me just, you, you got me, you got me fired up. Uh, let, let me, let me, let me just divert real quick. And I'm going to let Pastor Jesse jump on in. Let, let's think about something that didn't even happen on this soil. The Holocaust. And, 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 and go over to Germany. 
and walk around with a swastika if you want to. Go over to Germany and, and, and put your hand up Heil Hitler. Just go ahead and try it. Okay? It, it, they have said definitively that this part of our history, yes. we don't want to hear about, we don't want to talk about, we don't want any representation of this foolishness to, 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 to be promoted, to be accentuated, whatever. And so, so, so they said, no, uh, uh, don't even try. And so when people talk about this whole uh, revisionist history stuff, the question is, why do you want the, the vestiges of likely the greatest heinous institution yeah. on this soil right. to continually be remembered and reminded of via these representations, yeah. Robert E. Lee and all the rest of these folks, okay? Stonewall Jackson. Mm -hmm. These people, for all intents and purposes, were, were, were people who were to keep the status quo, were to keep people oppressed, suppressed, depressed, <laughs> keep, you can add, you can add whatever press you want. Right. But, but there's some folks who want to say, oh, well, this was a part of our history. This is a part of our legacy. No, this was a part of the ugliest days of American history. And, and you want to, and, and you want to embrace it as your own. Unacceptable. It, it, it's not so much, they, they, it's, it's to be discontinued. I, and one of the things that concerns me most about the conversation is that you're allowing those people to redefine the narrative. So if you go back to uh, your statement in, in terms of, you know, all these states now are coming out with these laws saying, you know, not to teach CRT. Well, one of the challenges around that is show me where CRT is being taught K-12. And, and no one can can definitively show you that what what they're doing in terms of redefining the narrative is that anything you talk about those concepts related to equity, any any concepts related to equity, talking about oppression and what have you. Now you want to throw it into the umbrella of CRT. So you, you want to get rid of those conversations as if that would get rid of the racism and the sexism and, and that type of thing. Let's don't talk about it as if it does not exist. And, and we know that's not true. And it's just a redefining of. So it, to me, the strategy is to get you arguing about what it is. Mm -hmm. that, let's talk about what the definition of it is. So we're going to argue back and forth in terms of what it is. And, and my whole objective on the other side of it is to not to have this conversation, you know, uh, not to have this conversation that, well, you know, with CRT, well, we don't want our kids to feel bad about their race. Mm. Come on now. Mm -hmm. Come on now. Well, you said, I don't want I don't want my kids, uh, our kids to feel feel bad about their race. We don't want to teach them that uh, we have a history of them oppressing a whole, they belong to a group of people that historically have oppressed other people or kept other people in subordinate positions in this country. You don't want them to know that because you don't want them to feel bad. Come on. That's a joke. That's a joke. I mean, so again, we get away from it, you know, and we're going to end up not repeating, we're continuing the oppression that this country started off. When did racism cease to be? Mm -hmm. When, yeah. When? <laughs> yeah. When? Well, you know what? Well, one thing I have to say: the other countries, South Africa and in Germany, yeah. they have museums that talk about the ugliest periods of their history as an acknowledgement that this is what happened. It's not celebrating it. Not celebrating. But it is informing mm -hmm. and as a reminder of what we do not want to do or be again. And so that's kind of why I'm a little. Uh, 
confused why people are so upset about it. Well, they're they're upset. They're upset because they, you know, we, we let's think biblically for a moment you know, about what about what the Bible says, and the Bible and, and Jesus speaks of the truth mm-hmm. and what the truth will do for you in John eight thirty thirty two. And he says, you know, you will be my disciples. And the truth, of course, he's talking about the truth as it relates to, you know, biblical truth. Yes. Yes. Okay. And the truth, it'll set you free. It'll it'll make you free. Mm-hmm. And 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 so this is this could be really cathartic for people in a way that they don't even understand. Yes. For, because this this finally it, it may not necessarily absolve, but it may help to release and help them to understand that 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 you want you don't want your kids to feel bad. Listen, we grew up in a time where, as you said earlier, where we didn't have the faintest idea who we were mm. because you kept that out of history. Mm-hmm. You didn't speak of our contributions. You didn't speak about the fact that that everybody other than non, you know, the, the white folks did everything mm-hmm. and we didn't do anything. And so so how are we supposed to feel about ourselves across the, the span of time and education here in America? And now you're worried about your kids not feeling good. Well, you know, last year I released a black history episode and I purposely chose people that I knew a lot of people would not know mm-hmm. anything about. Some were familiar, but most were unfamiliar and they had very the contributions a lot of them have to do with everyday things we we use today. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, that was done on purpose. And I have one woman who told me I had. She said I have I have a master's degree, mm-hmm. and I never learned half mm-hmm. of what I learned on that mm-hmm. episode. Yeah, not taught. Mm-hmm. Well, let me tell you, we took a trip, a family trip, and we went to D.C. and we went to the Lee Mansion. We went there and we took the tour. And the woman that was given the tour, I, I don't remember if someone asked her about the slaves, but she said, that's not part of the tour. If you want to, if you want that part, you have to take the tour on your own. So they had the slave quarter still on, on site behind the, the mansion. And so if you wanted to see that part of the tour, you had to go on your own, which we did. And uh, I was, first of all, I was really upset that that wasn't part of the tour. I'm like, why wasn't part of the tour? How, how do you think, first of all, who kept up this land? It was a lot of land. And so we went back there to see how the slaves lived. And of course, mm. like 20 mm. people to this teeny tiny shack. Wow. And there's different stories. They did have the stories on the placards about the different slaves, because there were some that were very well known to, Mm. you know, their masters. And there were certain stories on the placards. But I just thought it was so interesting how that wasn't even part of the tour. I think it goes back to what John said earlier. I mean, facts don't matter in this conversation. Right. I, I mean, when you're talking about persons who are opposed to CRT and what have you, I mean, the history is right there in their face. You know, John, you know, talk about the truth, you know, the truth as well as the truth, right? You know, and needing to know the truth so that you can get to the truth, if, if that makes sense. But I mean, facts doesn't make any difference because sometimes people's minds are so made up 
that I am against this. And and to me, it's not even that much in the educational arena as it has spilled down from the political arena. Mm, there you um, go. And, and, and that's where it is. You know, it's all about politics. It's all about how much money can I make off of getting people angry and upset, you know, and this, you know, and that type of thing. And so to me, that, that that's the motive behind it. So therefore, I'm not concerned about the truth. I'm just in terms, I'm just more concerned about arousing an emotional response to this and keeping that up in the air. I hear some people here that you need to fear because, you know, what they're trying to do is make you feel guilty, you know, about what this country has done to different groups of people. And if they have their way, they're going to flip this thing and you're going to be the one that's being suppressed, you know, and they're going to be. And so it's, it's, it's about continuous this conversation and facts doesn't matter. Today's Black Business Shoutout, Encouragement Consulting Services was created to help organizations like yours achieve its mission, vision, and organizational objectives. For more than 25 years, they've conducted hundreds of high-quality and fully engaging programs across the country that truly impact people and business and higher education. According to their website, we believe in the power of encouragement and what it means in every aspect of our lives. They endeavor to help organizations create an encouraging environment, which allows every individual to see themselves as a key contributor to the organization's success. Areas of expertise or specialization include excellence in customer service, culture and diversity education, personal growth and leadership development, communication and learning strategies, organizational effectiveness, corporate culture, community cohesion, coaching, and so on. Mr. John Harris also offers services such as keynote addresses at conferences or luncheons, employee coaching, corporate retreats, and train the trainer. If you want to get more out of your business and encourage your employees, reach out to Encouragement Consulting Services at encouragementconsulting.com. And, and also, and Jesse's right, I mean, the, the political rhetoric, Rabrina, is just so pervasive. You know, even in, in Nebraska, our own governor continues to quote Dr. Martin Luther King about wanting uh, people to be judged by the content of the character, by the color of their skin. And, and, and I and I just I have in my heart to send him the full speech yes. that Dr. King spoke from, right. because right. my question to him would be, well, why would Dr. King even have to say that right. Right. in a land where right. where his kids where where he's, his kids are supposed to be promised right. uh, life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness? Mm-hmm. Why would why would he even have to say that? And so he he's taking this out of context. And, he, and he's saying something that does not take the full scope of the reason why he had to say that in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> because of racism, because of segregation, because of the things that kept people uh, from the promises, if you will, of our nation. And so so yeah. that's the other challenge we face is people using bits and pieces uh, of, of speeches, of whatever, to try to promote what it is they're trying to do with denunciation, the denunciation of CRT. He's not the only Black scholar either that has spoke on race. We have W.E.B. Du Bois. Oh, yeah, plenty more, plenty yeah. more. That is that is who we hear always. And like you said, misconstrued. Yeah, used out of context. Yes, yes, in so many ways. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you know, there is a verse when we were talking about how the, the, the feeling, the guilty, well, there is a verse, Romans 3.10, as it is written, none is righteous. No. Not one. Yes. So none of us really are righteous. And what gets us into, into trouble with that is that I almost want to say that the opposite, in, in that particular context, the, the issue becomes with the self-righteous, you know, and, and the issue becomes with the privilege, you know, or, or that we have a right to be this way, you know, and this type of thing. So not taking that that biblical principle and that we all have faults, you know, and where, where do we go, you know, not talking about the gospel in this context, but where do we go, you know, with these faults? You know, first of all, you have to acknowledge them. You know, you have to realize that now, Houston, we have a problem, yes. you know, and we have to bring all hands on board to help to solve that particular problem. But I mean, part of what's going on in the narrative now is that I'm not going to even acknowledge that we have a problem. And I'm upset with you because you keep wanting to make that an issue that we have a problem when I don't see it. And to me, that became very symbolic, you know, the whole colorblind mindset. You know, I think it was Paul Keeble years back who made the statement that, especially as it relates to uh, European Americans, that when you start talking about being colorblind, it means that you're blind to your own color, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and that's with that concept of privilege. So it's like, we have a right to define for you what you hear, what you consume, you know, how you consume it. And, and, and the point is that we want you to consume it the way that we want you to consume. It. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, here's the other challenge we have. And and I think CRT has found itself back on the mainstream of conversation, along with Black Lives Matter and along with other, quote unquote, movements because of the of the the things that have happened most recently over the last several years. Okay, And so I just left Minneapolis yesterday and there's a memorial for a man who died at the hands of a police officer with his knee on his neck in broad daylight in the United States of America. Right. Okay. And so 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 and people are questioning. Listen, if, if that had been a German shepherd, mm. there would be outrage. Yeah. Hear me right. Yeah. If there had been a dog, mm. there would have been outrage mm. all across this land. How could a man do that to an animal, to a dog? But this was a human being. And the people are asking, so what did he do? Listen, this is unacceptable. This is a person and not just George Floyd. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. And so so somebody's saying now, listen, we better we better stop and we better look. But the, the issue there is that the mindset out there in terms of against CRT is that they want to explain that behavior at the individual level and does not want to look at it yeah. from an institutional perspective. Yeah, so yeah. you keep having these these individual isolated incidents where this man was just wrong, this man was just wrong, where they were just wrong with doing this. But when you don't look at that, those patterns of behavior, CRT start talking about looking at those patterns of behavior, have they how they have historically been in the institutions of our society and how they continue to be. So it becomes very easy to dismiss it if you look at it only at the individual level, as opposed to looking at it from an institutional perspective, from a structural perspective, you know, from this perspective that CRT is trying to get us to examine. It's always been there. And people have always addressed institutionalized isms. It's just like now it has become so political and it becomes a way in which you can continue to stir up anger among people who don't even have a clue. Don't have a clue. Yeah, they don't really know what it is. And don't want to know. And don't want to know. You're right. Don't want to know. And so if if they would just look and just just ask themselves, am I willing to even acknowledge that it's possible? Yes. That yeah. that 
the color of one's skin yes. in the United States still matters mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when it comes to the basic rights, liberties, freedoms, systems that exist, whether it's criminal justice. Uh, think about what's happening uh, with voter suppression. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. You're trying to take away a right, uh, again, by amendment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that people have. Right. Right, right. Okay, by amendment. So, so, so now, so now in 2021, you're telling us that because uh, it seems that you can't get your way in the voting booth, now you got to change the rules. Mm. And are not white supremacists talking about race? Yes. And, yeah. and I don't hear the, the I mean, in, in a sense, the outrage there, you know, in terms of, of them acknowledging we were talking about somebody was here. Um, in the paper here, where we're saying that, you know, I don't want my my son to learn or to feel bad about himself, a politician, you know, that, you know, they they were wrong. Well, as I mentioned this to John, well, you can go and get some of those proud boys and um, <laughs> those girls. They would be more than happy to come in to teach white kids how to be proud of their heritage. Oh, yeah, they would. So they, there's an alternative. If you don't want them to learn it, you feel they're going to feel bad at them learning about their history here. You have a group or many groups that will teach them uh, to feel good about their ethnicity and their race and, and what have you. Yeah. Critical race theory. It talks about what I am learning is people are individualizing it. And it's really mm-hmm. talking about the systems. Yes. In yes. And the yes. systems and the laws and regulations yes. of the education system, the criminal justice system. the Every market. system. <laughs> every system and the healthcare system. Yes, every system. There is laced with racism that has been embedded. What a lot of people don't know, I was listening to another podcast, and what mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know is about this woman whose mother they lived in a nice um, house, and she. This was in the fifties, I think, and she said that at that time, black people were not allowed to get a loan, so they really mm-hmm. had to buy a house. Right, so they would they would quote buy a house from a white landlord, but they would never ever own that house. But they would say, I bought a house, mm-hmm. but yeah. that landlord always owned the house, but they would always pay a mortgage to the landlord. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I thought that was very interesting. Like people don't even know that that kind of stuff occurred. Sabrina, I was just reading an article the other day about yeah, yeah. an African-American man who owned a home mm-hmm. and had to call one of his white friends over yes. so that they could so he could get a higher appraisal yes. for the home. Yes. Because the person would presume that a white person lived there instead yes. of a black person. Yes, yes, yes. And so they talk about the situation where they pick all of the black things that would identify them in terms of their race out of the house, you know, and got someone. They first had got an appraisal and it was given to them. And yeah. then they turned around and had a white friend to, I mean, you take all the stuff out and then have them to say, I'm selling this house and you see what the appraisal. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's the kind of stuff from an institutional perspective that CRT and many others are addressing. So not some people how- are saying, well, that's not happening now. You can get a loan now. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, things at a higher interest rate. Yeah. Well, they're saying, well, things have improved. That's that's yeah. not the way it is now. So uh, why are you complaining? 
for every one of those things that we find out in public, we probably can count a thousand of those that are going on unpublished, you know? And so, and so now that you, you can see that, I mean, if you bring that back into redlining that we know that goes on, or went on gerrymandering, you know, and that type of thing, many times those things were going on. No one knew about it until maybe you start getting cameras on it and this, you know, and, and that type of thing. And, and those types of things are still going on. Well, you know, and, and we think about, you know, the advent of, of, of body cameras and we think about the, you know, how much how much did we didn't we see? You know, we can go back to Rodney King. And, yeah. and I remember someone saying, listen, this just happened to be on camera. This yeah. happens all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. happens all the time. And so so to, to think about this and, and again, and I think Jesse said it clearly, said it right. When you can mix it up with something else. Okay, CRT isn't Black Lives Matter. Okay, but 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 for those people who have an aversion to right. what black you know that particular movement, well, let's right. mix this in with that. Absolutely. Okay, and so let's 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 put us. You got a sour taste about Black Lives Matter, then yeah. or Me Too or yeah. whatever other movement there might be. Let's just mix it all in and then throw it all out. Yeah. No, 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 no. How about being conscientious? And intentional because well they don't want, you don't want your feelings hurt. You mentioned a situation. I'm just going to share briefly. I'm in Hastings, Nebraska, and we're talking about inventions, black inventions. And I'm just talking about the, the African American people that have invented these things over the years, over the 1800s. And a young white girl in class started to cry. She started to cry. Literally, got up physically upset. She said, "Why didn't we know this? Mm. Why why didn't why is this the first time I've heard of any of these people?" And you mentioned somebody with a master's degree. Mm -hmm. And then she stood up and turned around and looked at the people in the room. And she said, don't you all feel betrayed? Mm. So Mr. Harris is, is talking. She asked me first, are, is this real? Is he, are these people, is this real, really true? I said, yeah, every single word. Mm -hmm. And she was physically upset mm. because, because it was information that she had not received. She considered it a betrayal mm. that she had not been taught real history. Mm -hmm. in American classroom up until her senior year. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about, and that's again, back to education, why would she, and, and people start asking, why would they leave that out? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've had similar experience with some white people who have told me they've listened to that black history episode too, and said they were stunned, but they had never heard, never heard of it. Yeah. I put those people on Facebook on a, on a, on a, a thing called know your history. And I put, uh, I put maybe four profiles on each, each uh, page that I put on there in Facebook in February and then in March, uh, because I didn't want to limit black history to just February. And so I put know your history. history is American history is American history. Exactly. And so we put it. So I put it on um, February and then March and then uh, April. And, and, and I put it in a four quadrant deal. And people were like, oh, my goodness. I mean, PhDs, people, people who are considered, you know, smart people. They're like, I've never heard of this person. But well, on the other hand, John. There are smart people who know it, who know better, and still will dismiss it. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Amen to that. You, you know, to I mean, to continue to want to operate with the misinformation and want to continue to give other people as much misinformation, misinformation. As, as as they can. You know, so it, it's all. Right. I I, I want to 
Well, in one thing that, you know, with the religion and the Bible and the evangelicals, you know, because there, there's a whole evangelical and I'm going to say white evangelicals for the most part that that are that's, you know, against CRT, you know, and of course, using biblical references, John, you know, we've talked about this. You can use yeah. a biblical reference to validate anything that you want for the most yeah. part. But one of the ones that, that probably get me the most is to to go back and say, well, you know, let's just go back to Genesis, you know, and that we all were created in God's image. Well, that was prior to the fall. <laughs> that was prior to the fall, right? We, we, we can stand on those grounds before the enemy came in, before Satan came in, mm-hmm. you know, and led to the fall. And so now mankind is in a fallen state. And so we can't go back to Genesis 3 and to keep continuing that that we were created in God's image. Well, that's true to that we were, but we are no longer in that image. We fell out of that image and had to be recreated. And so the thing that bothers me the most is those of us, I'm going to put it this way, who say that we have been recreated in his image through the redemptive work that was done on the cross. On the cross. Now, we, there are many of those persons who profess, and I'm not questioning it, who profess to be followers of Christ are the ones who are now saying, well, we don't want to have nothing to do with this, right? Yeah, I, I have mean, a problem with that, too. Yeah. And, I have and, a problem and, with someone who professes to know mm-hmm. and love yes. Jesus yes. and can have be filled with so much hatred. Yes. That is yes. the fruit. Yes, yes. Like people yes. say, I don't know their heart. I can't. Well, I don't know your heart, but I know your fruit. I see. Yeah. I know what I see. Yeah. And you know, yeah. you know a tree by the fruit it bears. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, and and I think, and, and the question then becomes, uh, for me, in many ways, and I've talked to countless people about this, one of allegiance, and and, and where's your allegiance? Yeah. You know, is it to the is it to the blood washed cross of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. or is it to the stars and stripes? Yeah. Yeah. Huh? Where, where's your allegiance? Right. And and so and so we, you know we have to differentiate uh, between where our allegiance lies and and if it indeed is with Jesus Christ mm-hmm. uh, who was a barrier breaker yeah. who was a friend to the sinner who was one who looked upon those who were poor who were weak you know mm-hmm. even James tells us that that pure religion undefiled right. is, is to is to visit the orphans and widows in their trouble yes okay yeah. and keep oneself uh, bl- uh, spotted unblemished from the world. Pure religion, undefined. I hope you were able to listen empathetically and ponder some of what you heard without judgment. And if it made you feel uncomfortable, I hope you allowed space for that because that's okay. Stay tuned for part two of this conversation, which will be released next week since I was so late getting this one out. And we will talk about what the Bible says about oppressed people what Jesus modeled, and how the Holy Spirit guides us to move in the direction of Christ. Don't forget to give Grit, Getting Real, Immersed in Truth, a five-star rating, follow, and share. Getting Real, Immersed in Truth is written, produced, and edited by me, Barbrina Reddle. Original music by composer Michael Coffey of Handcrafted Studios. Connect with me on Instagram at Rabrina Rettle and check out my website, RabrinaRettle.com. I also have another podcast on Life Audio, Mama Take Heart, Understanding Your Gen Z Girl. It's designed to help mama be the compassionate, gospel-centered, and influential voice in her girl's life. Okay, friends, until next time, keep your head up when getting real, 
while immersed in truth. 